Hi, everyone, and welcome to this podcast, Returning to Hashem. I'm your host, Sonny Gigi, and today our special guest is Adam. Adam was raised in a traditional household. He went to public school, no connection to Judaism, worked at a non-kosher restaurant, no Shabbat observance, and attended college to complete his medical degree. One day, Adam decided to see what the Torah and Mitzvot is really all about, and we'll soon see how Rabbi Yaron Reuven's lectures changed his life for the better. We're very excited to have him here with us today to share his journey and experience. So without further ado, Let's get into it. All right. Today we have Adam. Adam is 28 years old. He's about to law for four years now. Uh, he just finished medical school at Ben Gurion University, uh, Mazatov. Uh, he's now pursuing a life of Torah and mitzvot. Adam, we appreciate you very much for joining us today. I know it's very... Uh, early actually in Israel right now. So good morning to you. Thank you for having me. Sure, sure. Adam, if you don't mind, let's start off telling us a little more about yourself, you know, your previous days doing chuva and uh, those kind of fun details. Sounds good. My name is Adam Zaviv. I grew up in Boca Raton, Florida. Born and raised. Uh, I grew up in a traditional family, my father being from Israel, my mother is American. I didn't grow up with so much uh, Torah and mitzvot, but we did keep the Masoic, the tradition. Uh, and I do, I don't even remember a time where we didn't do Kiddush on Friday night, but that was pretty much the extent of my upbringing of Judaism. I knew maybe some Shabbat prayers and, uh, you know, saying Kiddush on wine, but I went to public school. I had no connection with uh, Judaism. I was kind of part of the world of Jews that are assimilated 99% acting like Goyim and 1%, oh, my mother's Jewish, my, my, uh, last name is uh, Goldstein, but zero connection. And in fact, I was, because I did Kiyush, out of my friends group of the Jewish kids in public school, I was considered the fanatic, even though I was I was like 1% religious. Um, so that's kind of how I grew up. And then at the age of 13, uh, because my father comes from a traditional family, his father was a Hazan, their father was from Morocco, and supposedly my father's grandfather was like a big tzaddik, you know, like they all say, you know, oh, my grandfather was a tzaddik, you know. I actually have a picture of him. We can show it maybe. But uh, supposedly it was a big Kamitacham and he read, he studied Torah until he went blind when he moved from Morocco to Israel. But uh, at the age of 13, I started uh, getting closer to, I guess you can call it Torah. I learned my Bar Mitzvah parasha. We started going to the Knesset more. And um, it got to the point where I, I felt a little bit comfortable wearing a yarmulke. And I was in, still in public school at the time. I was... Uh, we moved to a Raton synagogue. We started becoming part of the Sephardi community over there. And I got to the point where I wore a yarmulke to public school for about a week or two. And I was, uh, you know, learning tefillin and learning a little bit about mitzvot, not about the, the, the seyuv, a 13-year-old, the, the, the obligation a 13-year-old has when you become bar mitzvah to keep tall on mitzvot. Just, okay, tefillin, you know, the basics. And then one day I'm walking home. And some goy comes behind me and rips my yarmulke off and throws it and runs away. And this was like a sign from Satan, I think, that it really, it was like a little bit of a scare. Like, we don't need your Judaism right now, some type of thing. So, it kind of threw me off and I was, you know, wearing it on Shabbat and stuff. But it was a little bit, it was a little bit uh, scary for me. The anti-Semitism in Florida, even in Boca Raton, where it's very Jewish, it's still there. And I went on the goy path, you know, went to university, went to, went to the local university at FAU in Boca. And at the I was doing pre-med. Uh, I was still honoring my father. I still, he, he actually became more religious 
uh, as the time went on, came back to his upbringing, which was during uh, like kind of, he was the son of the Chazan and he was also Chazan and his grandfather was Chazan. So they were very involved in the Knesset. But when he moved to America, it kind of, he joined the American culture, which is not very religious. And then he kind of came back once he saw his children were kind of not even close to what he grew up in. He uh, got a little more strong. So I moved in with him. And I started going to Bet Knesset minimally just to respect him, like show up at Musaf, you know, Birkat Kohanim, so he can, you know, feel like bless the children. And uh, that was it. But once I got to the age and I was also, you know, not keeping Shabbat, I was working on Shabbat in some non-kosher restaurant uh, and the Satan was paying me very well, you know, it was uh, uh, a good job. But suddenly at that point, for whatever reason, this restaurant was doing very successful and suddenly they closed some stupid reason from leashing. It was in Meisner Park and they closed the restaurant and I suddenly didn't have a job anymore. And I didn't have to leave after Seudat Shabbat on, on the, in the daytime at like four o'clock to go work. So I was like, wow, I can keep Shabbat. Like I didn't have to drive on Shabbat. Like it was, it was amazing. So I, I, I like went to Bitkneset again in Mincha and did a Bela with the family and it felt great. And uh, a week after that, I kept it again and it was like, like, I didn't know what it was keeping Shabbat still. I was, you know, playing sports on Shabbat and I didn't understand the, the importance of Torah at that time. But it got to the point where one of the Shabbatot, I said, you know what? I'm not going to touch my phone. Let's see how it goes. And I got back after not keep, and I'm not touching it for a whole day. And I looked at my phone after on Motzei Shabbat and I was like, there was not even one important thing that I missed the entire day. It was a complete blessing that I didn't touch the phone because I, I, I saw that how unimportant the things that people do on their phones, especially on Shabbat. It's not important at all. And until this day, four or five years later, I have not found one important thing on after Shabbat that I checked my phone. Not Nothing. So I started keeping Shabbat at the very minimal level, not knowing anything, not learning Torah, maybe going to the Knesset once in a while with my father uh, in the mornings. And then suddenly, uh, a local rabbi, Rabbi Simi Shabtai, who is, uh, really knows a lot of Koran as part of the Boker Tone Synagogue there. He calls me up one day and he said, Adam, we have these Bachelin coming from New York or Lakewood or whatever. We're doing a summer program learning. We need you. We need you. We need you. I said, you know what? If I'm going to be a doctor, there's other sense. And I want to be that doctor who doesn't have this like angry Moroccan yelling. This is the kind of household I grew up in, like very traditional, not, the, not where people work on their midot. So I wanted to be calm, you know, patience and a well-rounded doctor, not just knowing the medicine, but a good uh, character trait person. So I said, maybe they had, maybe the Torah has something that can help me with this. And also I was like, in one of the first questions I had was, why are these people washing their hands so much? What is this? Like this Nimyati Daim, like five times a day, 10 times a day. What? So what is going on here? So that's that's the starting point. I think that Hashem saw when I opened the, the petach, the little hole, chasing the truth. And he put me with this uh, Yeshiva Bajo that was very like, you know, he was also Balchuva for a few years and he became a full-time learner. And he would, we could we connected on many levels because he could relate to me when it came time to explain things. And I was learning zero and I went from zero to learning four or five nights a week for two hours of whatever I wanted. Mishnah Borah, Filot, anything that interested me, I learned. And that's the important thing is you learn something that interests you, it keeps you coming back. Yeah. So, after a few weeks, I came back to him and uh, like we were learning for like a whole month. But after the first week or two, I came back and I, I said to him like, Jake, I said a bracha today. Before, like I, I was about to eat something. I said, wait, what's the bracha on this? And I looked in the brachos app and whatever. I like, I, I it, was, it was enjoyable to me to lead Kadem, to progress. 
a little bit and yeah. to use what I learned. And I saw many opportunities day to day, whatever we learned. Oh, so this is how you put feeling. So this is what, this is why they say this. Was, it was uh, a lot of CFP smile. So after that, I, I had like a gap here between my undergrad and trying to find med school. So I was working as a scribe in the hospital ER. And every year, my parent, my father would take us to Israel for vacation uh, for the summer, for a month. And that summer, we had a bunch of family weddings. So I went to Israel and visited my safta in Khadera. And it happened that I actually, that summer, when I had weddings, I had two weddings, one at the beginning of the trip, one at the end. So in the beginning, I, I was on vacation for a month going with my uncle to the beach, jet skiing, all the, the whole touristy stuff of Israel. And I was somewhat keeping Shabbat at that time. And I had a few friends that were at Or Sameach Yeshiva doing a summer program, like one or two friends. So on my vacation, I said, hmm, why don't I just see what it's like to go to Yeshiva, to feel that Mea Sha'arim, that Dushah, that black and white craziness, that all these fanatics, like what is so, why are these people doing this? So I went on my vacation, instead of going to the beach, I said, let me go stay there for a week. I, some local rabbi that actually helped me started learning Kirkeyavot at FAU, like 30 minutes a day, once a week type of thing, but he was very helpful. So he got me a, a bed at that yeshiva and I just joined them in the, the factory of like what, you know, the, the, the schedule of the morning learning, the everything. So after I joined Or Sameach for a week, I loved it and I really got some chizuk and I moved forward. A week later, I, I organized tours, campus tours of the two or three medical schools for Americans in Israel, which one, which they're closing now, but there's one in Ben Gurion, there's one in Tel Aviv University, and there's one in Technion in Haifa. And I got tours at all of them. And when I went to Ben Gurion, they, one of the students took me around, I asked about the school, and I, I met with some of the campus administration. I, it was like super late in the cycle. How it works is you apply to med school a year ahead of your entry. Like you apply and they send you updates and different transcripts you need to send. And then they have an interview. And then that interview could be subsequent interviews that take months for you to hear back. They were starting their entering class. A month later, less like two or three weeks, they were starting class. And I look at the administration and they say, oh, did you apply this year? Are you applying? Yeah, I'm applying next year. You guys probably have a full class or whatever. They said, no, we met you. We might have a spot for you. Send all your information tonight, all of your documents. So I ran back home to Khadera, two hours train, got all my documents, called FAU, organized all this balagan, which actually became very easy because of Siat Dishmai. Everything just worked out. And this is after the week at Yeshiva. A week later, I got an interview at that school for a medical school to enter in the, the coming weeks. So after that, I got interviewed by two religious American doctors who made Aliyah many years ago. Both of them were religious. And I was wearing like a kippah, like, you know, modern Orthodox kippah at that time. And I got a, I went back to Fadera after the interview. I ran at six o'clock in the morning, prayed on the train, uh, went to the interview, sweating, so stressed out. Such a calm interview, Birshev, everything's slow here. And then I do the interview, after goes by, I go back to Fadera. And we're, that night, me and my father are going to the Sheva Brachot of one of the weddings that we came to Israel for in the first place. As we're walking out the door of my Safdis house, I see, Adam, congratulations, you've been accepted to medical school at Ben Gurion. The day of the interview, that doesn't happen yeah. in medical school. It takes months to hear back. And uh, that's, we just started crying and we're so happy. And then I'm like, but I don't have time to go back and get all my stuff. I have to make Aliyah right now. Because it happens that you, if you have an Israeli parent, you can't get a student visa, you have to make Aliyah. So I made Aliyah. And that is a huge Siat Adishmai as well, because people making Aliyah today have so many problems. I walked through it like running in the grass. It was just, everything just worked out. 
miracle after miracle after miracle, getting my tudatsiut, getting my license, getting my everything so smooth, finished before and got a, got found roommates that were Shomer Shabbat, found kosher, like in, in, in the universities in Israel, they're not so religious, like this from some modern Orthodox Datilomi people, but they're not the majority. So luckily someone sent me, yeah, there's a, uh, some Shomer Shabbat medical students who are looking for a roommate, like another miracle. So I found kosher roommates who, and yeah. Um, okay. So let me, let me stop you real quick. So your story is very, very cool. Obviously the, the path that Hashem painted for you is, is very clear. We put you in all these uh, positions, certain timings. I did want to ask you a question, though. Maybe I missed it. What What was it that started that snowball effect of you starting to get more observant and starting to keep more more things? And what What was that first like uh, push that got you going? I know you mentioned your dad and stuff like that, but what was that was that it? Or was... I I really don't put any of the my divine assistance of Teshuvah on my upbringing with my father. He even knows it. He, people ask him, like, why is your son so religious now? What did you do? He said, I didn't do anything. He chose to do this. So you're asking, what, why did I choose? I think I wanted, I always had some kind of like, like kavod for Rabbanim. I had some, I wasn't this Chiluni who was an atheist who didn't believe in Hashem. I had, even if I was 99% Goy, I still had some kind of feeling that there was Hashem there. And I always, in my secular life, I always had these instances where it's too coincidental to be a coincidence. It's like Hashem has his hand here. It's like too unreal to have happened. So I was always kind of like mystical and things like that. But I think it was my question. I, w I wanted to know why the Torah is so important to people. Why are these people religious? I took it upon myself to do the searching. There was no point in time that just shocked me that said, Adam, become religious. I, d I wanted it. And I searched. I searched for the truth. It wasn't any specific time. It was it was really me who decided to chase the truth and not like a shock or a or a, a makah. I think I think the the hits that people get that Hashem has to shake them up. It's it's unfortunately necessary. And I don't remember any like I remember getting little hits here and there, getting getting fired from jobs. You know, in in retrospect, look at them as blessings because if I didn't have get fired from that job and lose all the money that I was making fifty dollars an hour in college working with my college schedule, I wouldn't have been able to keep Shabbat that first time. It was it was like I saw the miracles happening day to day. Yeah. And I just took it as they were. And I said, maybe I maybe I can get some more miracles. Maybe, you know, maybe other things can happen that are in my favor. But how am I going to get them? Not by continuing in my sinful acts, by learning what's not to, how not to sin, by learning how to uh why are these rabbis in, in synagogue so fanatic? What are these what are these black hats? Why are they putting these boxes like why, why, why? Everyone who is starting out in Teshuvah should ask why and get all of their doubts out and all of their questions out immediately. In the first two months of them learning, they need to ask all their questions. Why, why, why? And they will get their answers because that's one of the other things I, I realized that there's an answer for everything in the Torah. Someone has asked this question already and there's an answer. There's always an answer. And that's what I was confident in when I'm learning medicine stuff in the university. There's so many things that are like changing all the time and yeah, this is the old therapy and they did some research and they found this new medicine and the other one is default. It's not, it doesn't, they completely cancel it. Like, it's not the admit. If things change, it's not true. The Torah is always true and it never changes. That's something I like. My first year uh, is when I started getting involved in the lectures. So at the end, I think around December when it's time for like winter break, I came back to Florida 
and I came back to BRS. So I was like, you know, seeing the truth of Judaism in Israel and America. It's like there are places where they're doing the the truth, but there's a lot of places that they're not. They they have American culture on their Judaism. It's not real. It's not the it's not the real way Judaism is practiced, especially in like these ultra orthodox places. So I saw like what is going on in Israel and what is going on at this BRS shul, which is not it's not the same. It's not uh, they're 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 like mixing what's a comfortable, easy life in America with Judaism, which is, I was like very confused. And one of the friends there uh, that is in, you know, a real person, he said, oh, like in, in a quiet voice, he said, oh, you should look at Rabbi Yaron Ruven, look at his lectures and see, look at, look at his, look at his life story and look at his Shabbat lectures and look at everything. Just because he saw, I was like so interested in growing. I was also listening to Rabbi Mizrahi at that time and he had a lecture with Rabbi Ruven. So I, I looked, I looked into him a little bit. And obviously, we know his speaking ability is unbelievable. But there were so many times where between the two rabbis, when I was listening to these lectures, it was like they were talking right to me. They stabbed me right in the heart with this this Musa that is so, like, it's exactly what happened to me yesterday that I did wrong. And he's talking about it today in this lecture. And it was it happened hundreds of times, I could say. So practical, so relevant to what I was doing that it was just not even normal. So I started listening to Rav Luvin and Rav Mizrahi, and then in my first year of medical school, that's when Corona started. So I went from having to rush to school at 8 a.m., praying nets all year long, riding my bike with my tefillin on two nets, and suddenly we couldn't go to Bit Knesset anymore. We didn't have to go to class anymore. Everything was on Zoom. Everything shut down. Huge closures and of, of Israel, everything. So I had to stay home now. But the for most people, that was horrible. They couldn't go to work. They had to deal with their children and their wives. For me, it was a miracle. Why? Because I had more time to study Torah. I had more time to watch lectures. I had more time to, to you know, I had like a few hours in the morning. I would study medicine. We had our Zoom lectures. But the rest of the day, I had time for, you know, connecting with Hashem and praying whenever I wanted and, and, and just unbelievable miracles. That Corona, for me, Corona was a huge miracle. Basically, when Corona hit, I had to learn a lot on the computer with my medical schooling and my learning of Torah. And the Siyatati Shmaya that I had in Bir Sheva alone, besides the lectures, besides all the, the stab wounds from these rabbis, it was, I met exactly who I needed to meet to progress exponentially in my, in my Abu Hashem. So I found someone at the hospital whose father, like he's, he, he runs a special room in Soroka Medical Center in Bir Sheva that deals with people who come to come to the hospital on Shabbat and have to keep Shabbat, but their wife is in labor. So what do they do? They organize meals and they organize, uh, you know, Kiddush and things like that. And there's a, there's a bit, bit Knesset in the hospital. So he runs that. So I got involved with him and he said, oh, come to our Kolel. We have in, in Shuna Dalet, the, the B neighborhood. And suddenly I have a Chabuta that's from Bet Shemesh that speaks English because his, American, his parents are Americans. So we were learning Gemara there. And there's a huge library of English books that nobody uses. Hundreds of English books, Mishnah Bula, all these Poske Ashkenaz, everything I could possibly need to continue progressing for free whenever I wanted. And uh, after a while of learning with my Chabuta, we continued even on Zoom. I, I asked the guy, uh, of Specter is his name, I asked him, you know, I, I learned a lot here and I'm going to keep coming here, but I need to learn how to be like, like to follow the Sephardi post scheme. And uh, after that moment, he thought of someone of a local yeshiva in Beersheba that does, that works with Bale Chuva. So he sends me over there 
And I start learning with the biggest Kiru rabbi in Beersheba, one of them. And uh, I start learning with him and he's one of the, also speaks English suddenly. You know, there's so many English speakers in Beersheba. If you, if you look for the Gdusha in the place that you're, that you're living, you will find it. If you don't look, it's not going to come to you. So Beersheba, even though it looks like a university hospital, not so religious place, there is Kedusha here. If someone searches for it, he will find it. And also, I forgot to mention with regards to Lafluvin and uh, every single place I went, even before Corona started, from the moment I left my door until I had to go to class, I was listening to a lecture. Every time I did shopping, I was listening to a lecture. Every time I was riding my bike places, I would listen to a lecture. Every moment, I, I felt anxiety. Even doing laundry on my on my patio, I was listening to something. And I felt anxiety even after a few seconds of not having something going on in my ear or aloud. And one of the, the, the series that struck me so deeply was the series of Rav Wasserman, Rav Ilkhanan Wasserman, because it was a time when Corona was going on and I was home all the time and... It just got in my thoughts of what what is going on at BRS? What is going on with these these uh, heretics bringing Christian missionaries to to synagogues and stuff like that? Whatever he was saying, I was at BRS for many many years. I know what goes on there, and I think I was there maybe at a time when he was there before he left. But it is so accurate, even worse than he describes even about what's going on there with this modern Orthodox and how even the Sephardi and Ashkenazim are dealing with their lives. And he was talking about you know the heretics and. I, I was. I felt so connected to run away from like whatever he was talking about. Like to just seek the truth in my life. To run away from the the shepherds who were misleading on Israel. And um, I really, really got chizuk from those from that series. If you're a serious person, if you really, really want to connect to Hashem to get closer, take it upon yourself to actually be serious in your heart and in your your masim in your actions. And Hashem sees that. It's not that He's like waiting for you to become this prophet and and Tommy Facham. Every little step is huge in, in heaven. And he sees every little action you do, even if you're not outside, even if you're in your house and you decide, hmm. why don't I set a Shaun Shabbat? Why don't I uh, organize things for Shabbat so I don't have to touch the Moksin? So I, the little things that you show that are important to him, make it important to you. He'll help you in every other way so you can keep progressing. And uh, don't be afraid of expressing the the truth that you you read from the torah you hear from Rab, rabbanim don't be afraid to on it to be the be the truth to be the emet and to practice the emet that's what it was when you hear someone who discusses how to be a proper jew and you're in a place where they're not actually being this way like in brs and in all these modern orthodox places where they're picky and choosy about the mitzvot that they keep don't follow them follow what the torah says because you're not trying to impress people in this world the only person you should care about his opinion is hashem don't care about what other people think about you because ultimately they're going to suffer and you're going to succeed because Hashem is going to make it work out for you. Don't rely on them. This is part of Emunan Bitachon. You don't rely on a person to help you succeed. You rely on Hashem and you make Him happy and you move forward with your life and getting closer to Him and He will make everything work out even if it's not what the person that you thought could help you. You need to be uh, a person who pursues Dvikut, closeness to Hashem any way possible. Every person is different. Everyone attaches to a different part of the Torah. You take something that you really connect to and you work on that and you try and perfect it and you take the next step. It's stages. You get more religious gradually, but that depends on how much you want to get close to Hashem. If you're not going to want to study Torah and get up at five in the morning to study Torah before Shachit because you have no time during the day because you're studying all day, you're not going to, you're not showing Hashem that you're getting up at seven, eight o'clock, five minutes before class, you 
put tefillin on five minutes. You don't even say proper shachrit. That's not showing Hashem that you really want. But Hashem, uh, I, I tried my, my hardest to show him how much I loved this Torah and Mitzvot by doing things that were me'alatev, above my own nature. I, I normally get up early. I was always like an early, easy early riser. Some people don't have that birth Hashem, that gift. Um, but I used it to another level. If I normally get up at six, I would get up even earlier. I would learn five, five ten minutes of chumash before shachit, even during Corona time, even if there wasn't any lachats to get to a minyan. I, I pushed myself and people push themselves. Hashem sees every single push and he'll give you like once you, it's just like a bike. Once you start pushing, the wheels take the start going. So then it becomes easier. That initial push is yours, but the, the wind and the, the gravity and the wheels is Hashem. It's like, it's if, if this was more clear to people, I think more people would uh, do more things to help them or their own selves in their Kishuwa. But it's very, it's very uh, unclear until the miracle happens. Interesting. So you you found or you heard uh, about Rabbi Reuven from the uh, that person at the BRF. What happened after that? You started watching his lectures. You started following him. You know, watching his YouTube lectures. What what happened after you heard about Rabbi Reuven? So once I found out and I uh, I did my research on who this guy is, like I think one of the first lectures I watched is either that Tisha B'Av lecture or about like like I was very this whole shita the whole um, type of approach to Judaism of the punishment and and Gainon and all these things I wasn't afraid of it I wasn't like it didn't turn me off it actually increased my for my so and I was already attached to Rav Mizrahi and he recommended him so if Rav Mizrahi recommends someone it's not a joke. And when I got into Rav Uven, I watched the Tisha B'Av lecture, which was about the Holocaust and about, oh, where was Hashem in the Holocaust? He did it. This type of, I was like, oh my gosh, how could he say such a thing? Like, that is an Ishemet, that's someone who really says what is the truth. And story, I was like, this guy, someone is able to be in the world of being rich, which I was, I didn't grow up super rich, like my, we were middle, middle class, but I was friends with a lot of rich people and I saw that they have nothing. And everything he was saying about having the money and doing all the sins with it and being the most empty person as, and all of the people that were around them were empty, even though they had tons of money, it was true because I'm from Boca Raton. It's one of the richest places in, in Florida in the, you know, it's very wealthy area. And I just see the emptiness and it's never been so clear to me that money does not bring happiness. So that aspect kind of intrigued me like, oh, he's a post used to be rich guy that chose to be religious. So that's a, that's a reason that intrigued me with his story. And I got into the, the Ramban, the Yeret Ramban, which has so much chizuk avod. I, I, I went through all the series. I, I watched the whole, and, and when I started getting into it weekly, I had, to, I had a lot of catching up to do. A lot of the series he was in was in the middle. So I had to like catch up on 20 lectures of Bitechon, Emunam Bitechon, 170 lectures of Pirkei Avod. I love Wasserman series. It was like already on number 18, 20 or something like that. But for some reason, Hashem was making me, like I was kept watching lectures. I kept working on myself reading Midot books, reading Shabbat books, watching lectures and taking notes on the lectures, making a diary on my bed of seeing next to my bed at night when I see all the miracles Hashem did for me every day. Once you get on the train of Lava Uben, it's hard to get off. Like it's, not an, it's not like a nature to keep watching. You're just so addicted because you, you want to not let go of that feeling being attached to the Torah. Even though he recommends you start learning Torah on your own with books and stuff, I still had to have like at least a two-hour lecture in my year a, a day. Besides of all the Torah that I was learning in the morning and at night and the medicine I was learning between breaks, watching every meal when I was single, every meal had to be with some kind of lecture on. If I'm just sitting there eating, it's bitul toa for me. 
that's the one that's another major thing when you mentioned bitul Torah, you're, you're like i don't want to be in trouble for that i don't want to have to be oh go to shamayim after man is slim and just say so what about all this time that you wasted uh looking on and i get rid of all my social media there's so much wasted time scrolling scrolling so i filled all that empty time with torah and lectures and it just became so clear to me what was the purpose while i was in medical school medical school is that you have no time for anything and somehow I was passing all my exams. I studied exactly the amount I needed to to do my hishadlut. Even though before I, I understood what's this concept of hishadlut, I said, I've studied the maximum I can today. I closed the book and I went to my kabuta to learn Gemara. Or I, or I shut it off and I watched a lecture to go to sleep. Even when I got corona, I got corona. I was sick for like three days. I was in isolation for a week. When I was sick in bed, I had a lecture right next to my ear. Even though I couldn't move, I couldn't eat. I didn't even want that bitul Torah when I was sick. So I listened to lectures. Five lectures a day. It would help me go to sleep. It would be when I'm like sitting there, body aches, muscle aches, fever. I still listen to lectures. It was it was a lot of messy old nefesh. But I think Hashem saw what I was doing, that I wanted to get closer to him. And he kept giving me miracle and miracle and miracle. It takes a lot of work on the individual. It's not all Hashem's hand. He gives you reward in this world for the effort that you're putting in. But it's not the free for all. There's no freebies in this world. Wow. Very interesting. So, did you ever get in contact with Rabbi Rubin? Yes, I did uh, a few times. I asked him, um, actually, the first time was when he was sending out Rabbi Fine Kuntresim, like the, the little Kuntresses about Gehenom and about and whatever. So, he sent me uh, and his book. He sent me packages to my house in Belsheba, and I was one of the people that was sending that out to everybody. How did you get in contact with him? What, what happened? How did he send you books? You reached out like maybe a week. Yeah, I reached out. He, I had his number. I don't know if I ever texted him a question because I I prayed a lot in, in the beginning. I prayed a lot for a wife. I prayed a lot for a rabbi because I, I knew how important it was to have a rabbi. And he says all the time, I'm not people's rabbi. I and mean, he has people who are Talmudim who learn from him. If he's a thousand, seven thousand miles away, how can he be my rabbi? I have to have my rabbi here, ask a question, see him every day, go to his lectures. So I didn't have that person to go to every day, but I used Rabbi Google in the beginning. But to get the, the I, I texted him to get the books. He asked me, and then I asked him, how do I go about giving them out? Like a long message, oh, you have to turn it with people in your hand. They have to be serious about it. Don't just leave it in places. They'll throw them out. I was serious about it. I'm like, I want to make people make the Shubat also. And I realized how important Kiruv is. And I, I joined the Kiruv train. You know, once you're starting, you want to bring the Shemot back. You want to give, you want to inspire people. So I was giving out those books. And um, I, I don't really know what happened to all of them. It was like hundreds. But uh, I really took that job seriously. Also, I went to his lecture that he did in Jerusalem with Lavades. I haven't really been in touch with Lava Shine. Plan to. I, I might, to, if I, in my future as a doctor, I think you have to move places in Israel for di- to different hospitals or different uh, rotations. Ever move to Jerusalem or ever move to Netanya, like these places with, you know, kosher keilot, I'll get in touch with even Lava Shine, people who have an established understanding with the same Ashkafa. Ashkafa was very important when I was getting, making it I wanted proper Ashtafal, not this modern orthodox approach, only to be the highest level. When you want something, Hashem's going to help you. So he's sending me the exact lectures I needed. And every time I reached out there of Ruben, it was, you know, he gives this complaint, like people complain, why doesn't he get back to me in five seconds? Like he's got a lot of things to do and he answers three, four hundred texts a day. It can't be on his priority to answer everyone immediately, which I understood. I wasn't I wasn't this like uh, such a needy person that I needed an answer. I gave him his time, whatever. I had I have other things to do. If you have nothing else to do and you're waiting by the phone, learn some learn a lecture, learn some Torah or something. You don't need to you don't need to be 
checking every second about, you know, uh, just the phone is just a horrible thing. I have it because it's necessary for connecting with family in America. I have to WhatsApp my mother and my father. And when you're a doctor, you need internet to search things. You know, you every day, it's a very common practice today that doctors need the internet for answers. But if I really could, I would get rid of it because it's it really slows down people's Avodat Hashem and it's not a good thing and having access to this, protecting your eyes. That's another thing. This Tikkun Ablit thing, when I was making Teshuvah in the beginning, it was also applicable to me. So I, I wanted, I realized how bad it was in the beginning because you're an addict. I'm not an addictive personality to anything. And fortunately, the body says otherwise. You're, you're addicted to something. So I started watching those lectures as well, getting very into them. And then he had the Tikkun Ablit movie, which I tried to promote myself. And um, I, I can't say I conquered it 100%, but I really, really worked on myself and started watching my eyes. And uh, honestly, being, a, being a, a medical student, you stare at a screen a lot. And my eyes went from having perfect vision to needing glasses. But it's perfect. It's perfect because I see it as a miracle, even though it's annoying. You have to wear glasses, whatever. It's a miracle because I don't have to wear glasses to read. The close-up, reading books and Sfarim, I don't need glasses. Seeing far away, I need glasses. So that means when there's pre-tooth and unmodest women on the street, even if I'm even if I'm without glasses, it's blurry. So it's like saving me. Like Hashem gifted me with this unfortunate bad vision. It's a it's a fortunate thing when you look for the good thing. When you look for the good in everything, Hashem is, is only good. He does only good. Yeah. You just have to find the reason that it's good. So Adam, it seems like you know you really didn't have uh, many hardships. Kind of everything was, you know, Hashem helped you out in every every way that uh, any path that you wanted to go down. My question is, though, did you have any challenges or any hardships from when you started until now? I, I don't even I don't even look at the hard. I don't even look at them as hardships. I look at them as challenges that I had to overcome. Tikkun Avlit was obviously hard. You know, it's not to, to drop everything, to drop all these social media was hard. Uh, like, I think I think I squeezed one out one at a time. Instagram was first. There was a lot of unmodest women there. I squeezed out Snapchat. I squeezed out um facebook was the last thing because i needed the messenger to stay in contact with people but one of the reasons that i made teshuvah also i forgot to mention in the beginning is that when i came to Bil sheva and i read alachot rambam alachot teshuvah it mentioned that the person has to leave where he used to do the sins he goes to an empty place like a desert he changes his name he stops the sins obviously and does the whole you know alachot so i looked at myself and i said I went to the desert. They didn't call me by my name. They used to call me by my last name or they called me Adam. In Israel, Adam is Adam. So it looked kind of like they changed my name. People don't call me like the same way. And I and I stopped in my old ways. And when I started medical school, there's all there's a bunch of cliques in your class. And there's the cliques of the people who go to bars, cliques of people who work out. Like I still work out, but I do it in a kosher way at an only men's gym. And I could have continued being modern Orthodox. I could have hung out with those people. The modern Orthodox hang out with non-religious people all the time. I said, I'm going to stick with only Yirat Shamayim so I can keep, so I can learn from them. I'm not going to be with people who I have to teach when I'm an Amaretz and I don't know anything. I, I'm not in the, the role to teach yet. Zot Hashem one day. I don't know if friends, the friend group are on the same level of Ashkafa and Yirat Shamayim and are scared of Gainom and like think these kind, this kind of Ashkafa, like the Rav Luvin, Rav Mizrahi Ashkafa. It's very like, but when you meet some, when you meet someone that is that type, immediately best friends. It's like, you're like, you know, it sounds like it sounds very uh, culty, but you don't even have time for friends when you're a medical student. You, you're stuck by yourself learning. Like it was another way for me to stop with all the studios. Like I'm so busy with school. I'm so busy with make, making teshuvah. I don't have time to waste with friends doing these kinds of things. So uh, that's another reason that helped me. Um, but just giving up, giving up all of my all of my wants and my desires 
just like anybody who makes teshuvah, that's the hard part. I don't mention it because, you know, that's, it's a day-to-day struggle. It's not like, oh, it took me months and a year to get over this. Like you work on little challenges every single day and some you fail, some you pass. And then the next day that past one is easy for you. And you work on the one that you failed. I don't, I don't calculate them as, as like a big struggle because it's a giant struggle, all of Teshuvah. And it's still a struggle. I'm married with a child, Baruch Hashem, and I still struggle with many things. And I have to deal with the, the world of medicine and the world of going to university. And then there's a lot of politsuit. There's a lot of uh, heresy in the universities. And I bypassed it all, Baruch Hashem, with a lot of help. And uh, that, that's what I say was the biggest challenge. Teshuvah as a whole is a big challenge. Someone who wants to make Teshuvah, the challenge is you do it b'simcha. You don't do it with... Uh, Oh, I hate it so hard for me. I can't. That's that's an excuse. There's no excuses for not being closer to Hashem and being pro- a kosher Jew because Hashem will help you. Your excuse is yourself. If you don't work on yourself, you're not going to be anybody. Exactly. 100%. 100%. Very good. So now that you're at this point, Baruch Hashem, you're married, you have kids, you are graduated medical school. You're going strong. You have the right ideology. You're following the right rabbis. You're following the right path. You're doing what Hashem wants. Where do you see yourself in uh, five, ten years from now? What goals do you have for yourself? Yeah, what do you what do you think is going to happen? So in Israel, this is something I looked into deeply about the the Torah in Israel is obviously the highest level in the world, and there's a lot of religious doctors. There's a lot of modern Orthodox. There's a lot of Haredi doctors, and I saw in them. That even though being a doctor is so busy, there's still a, a possibility in Israel to be a learner worker. I see it all the time. People who learn half a day and work half a day. I'm praying to Hashem every day so deeply that after my residency and all these very, very hard times during medicine, which I'm going to try and continue learning, obviously in the mornings and at night and every free moment I have with the lecture. But during that time, you're basically a slave to the hospital. Bezot Hashem, in about 10 years, I see myself being a physician being an Oved Hashem first, pursuing Teshuvah, working on Kiruv on the side, maybe even give lectures to people who want to be inspired. I'm not like a Posek Alecha, like uh, like a Musar lecture type of thing. And also working half a day, maybe until about two or three o'clock, and then having a nighttime call from three o'clock to seven o'clock, and seven o'clock till the nighttime to be with my family and raise them in a Torah way and send them to kosher schools, live in a kosher community. That, that would be ideal, ideal, ideal until I retire and then fully call out. But uh, a night, like a half a day learning is the, the goal. A lot of positivity for the future. Bezat Hashem, you'll succeed in all of them. If there's any advice that you would give to somebody, usually, um, you know, a lot of the podcasts that we've done involved some type of wake-up call, you know, some type of dramatic uh, something that happened that Hashem had to, you know, whip out the stick and, and make the people, you know, wake up and change because they were obviously not on, not going on the right path. Uh, it doesn't seem like this was uh, in your case, um, but you know, what advice would you give to people that um, are looking into to doing tshuva, or you know, what what kind of inspiration or something, some type of advice would you give them to? Um, you know, I know you mentioned qu- quite a lot already, but um, somebody, I guess, in your in your shoes that. Uh, had the same upbringing, I guess, as you. What, what would you advise them? There's just one saying in the Torah that always comes back to me, that if you open up a little petach of yourself, of searching, don't waste time not searching. Don't be a half-observant person. Be a serious person. Take it upon yourself to go all the way. Be 100% of every 
ounce of effort that you can put into this. Don't say, I'm going to push it off till later. Do it now. Watch the lecture now. Don't go to sleep. Read 10 minutes of some kind of Emunah book. Put books next to your bed. Start your day with Torah. Start your day with serving Hashem. End your day with serving Hashem. That, that way the whole day is revolved around Hashem and you never forget Him. If you start your day with, oh, I'm rushing to, to work. I didn't even, I put tefillin on for five seconds and working, 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 working. And then when you're exhausted and you're like, oh, now I have to think about Hashem. It's very hard. You have to surround yourself with a good environment. You have to basically change your whole life to suit and, and to get rid of your opinion. Your opinion means nothing in the Torah. I know it's very hard for people when they're starting out. Yeah, but I don't agree. I don't agree with what that says. I started that too. I remember one of my first Chavuta and we were learning Rashi on the Chumash. And I said, how does Rashi know that? that? That can't be true. That's not how it works. And he's like, he looks at me with like a shocked face. Like, we don't argue with what Rashi says. He said, oh my gosh, Rashi must have been some, some good big guy if you're saying that, you know. So be a serious person and give up the things that, like take a l outlook of your life and see which things are really not as important as you think they are. And Hashem will give you some kind of signal later on that you made the right decision by giving that up because you don't miss anything. You're not deficient in anything of your life because you gave that thing up to serve Hashem. You're filling it with something that's more satisfying. Learning Torah every day, getting chizuk, being a bal musav, someone who listens to Musa all the time and lives by the Musa. Don't just learn and not do it. Learn and practice it right away. That's another good tip. And if people want, you know, specifics, specific tips, I know Rav Uven is like, you know, the, the, the Rosh of all of this organization, but if people need help and they can, they, they want like a, a doctor's Baal opinion, I'm free for, for any advice I can give. Also, in the, going to university is a very, very risky thing. I know Rav Uven talks about it, like going to university and being a, a, a degree holder doesn't make you rich, doesn't make you successful. Successful is when you work on yourself and you've conquered your midot and you've become closer to the, the old shamayim, like the, the, the holy light of the world that fills you up, satisfies you, not fills you up like food. It fills you up spiritually. That spiritual feeling after you learn Daf Gemara, it's unlike any feeling, the light you just feel on you. It's like a shower of happiness. So you, the, in the beginning, in someone making these, if someone is making Teshuvah, he, they have to pursue that feeling within the first month. They have to feel that light of the joy of learning Torah. If they don't feel it, they're going to fall because they don't know what they're chasing. The spiritual satisfaction and stop chasing drugs and alcohol and, and physical desires, that spiritual satisfaction is what keeps everyone going and wants more Torah and wants more of it because it's addicting. But it's a spiritual addiction that makes, him, that makes Hashem happy, so it's allowed. In fact, the Torah helped me remember the medical learning better. So what I saw people coming out of university, if someone decides to go to university, unfortunately, it's it's sometimes a necessary evil in America to get degrees for things. Do it in a kosher way and revolve your life around Torah. Being the university is not the, 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 the foundation. Foundation is your Torah and that helps you succeed in the university. Not the university is going to succeed and help you make money and then you'll be able to lavod b'ashem. The ashkafa in America is you work hard for your gashmiut, so you have time for your ruchaniyut. You make money, so you have time to study, to to have nice things and have a comfortable life and be super busy with work all day. So you can have time to learn Torah. That's not the right attitude. The attitude needs to be you work on your spirituality and learn Torah. That will help you in your in your gashmiut, in your material necessities. And it'll realize it'll make you realize how much you don't even need that stuff. But um, people who go to university need to strengthen themselves. They need to be prepared for the biggest tests. And people who uh, go to university and try and stay the same. No, I'm going to go to the Chabad there. I'm going to 
try and keep kosher. That's not enough. You need to be on the uphill, super dedicated to learning Torah and to strengthening yourself in Musa to even stay level. There's so many tests there that you won't even survive. They'll eat you alive, especially at all these college towns, universities, Gainesville, Tallahassee. I've been to all those places. And to be religious there is literally impossible. Chabad somehow survives and they're a great organization, many parts of them, and they helped me a lot. But uh, for someone who goes to university and tries to be religious, do it in a kosher way and stick to the Torah because that's the only thing that's going to save you, not yourself. Torah and Hashem will save you. That's pretty much all I wanted to say. So I know you mentioned the thing about um, how the Torah helped you study better uh, uh, the, the medical material. But um, out of curiosity, I mean, we all know that studying studying for medical school is very difficult. How do you compare now studying the Torah to medical school studies? Like, is it easier now or, you know what I mean? Like, how do you... Medical school yeah. is a joke compared to Torah. It's the easy, it's just memorizing. It's nothing that like, you need yeah. to pull and you need to like really figure it out. And what did this rabbi mean? And what did this Elise Sean talk about? Medical school is already playing out. It's, it's set out for you. You just need to memorize tons of information, even though the, the, the Torah is much bigger, an ocean of knowledge, but it makes you think in a way that never touched my brain before. When I started learning Torah, I was like, this part right here, wow, it's like a nice feeling. Like I never, it's not mathematics. It's not memorizing biology. It's not uh, history, which is stupid. Like I, it's a part of your brain that is untouched because it's the nefesh. It's the, it's the, the spiritual part of your brain that really is only touched by Torah. Medicine, you can memorize as much as you want, and you're going to forget it also. This is the, unless you're Rebbe Vadi who remembers everything he reads, you can study and study and study, and you're going to forget it after a while unless you don't, unless you use it. But Torah, if you're serious about it and you learn it, L'Shem Shemaim, you're going to, you learn it, you teach it, you do it. That's the way the Torah is going to stay. And if you go into learning Torah like that, you'll never forget it. Medicine, you'll forget. Medicine, like farm, like uh, different drugs and different pathways of, of different cycles and stuff. It's not important for your day-to-day. Being religious and learning alachot and doing the maaseh of, of your Avodah Hashem is very important. And that's what's going to help it stick. So help that Torah part of helping it stick helped, helped it be like a, like a sticky substance for the medicine that helped that stick exactly enough to pass all my exams. I know people who weren't religious who didn't pass. There's a few kids that didn't make it through medical school and even dropped out even. And I somehow made it to my fourth year, ultra-Orthodox, went from so, so much teshuvah, past corona, got married, have a child, Baruch Hashem. I learned Torah, I have a Rav. All of that is because I took it upon myself to search for the truth. And it's not, it's not an easy thing. And you have to be very, very diligent in everything you do and responsible and... Uh, and uh, punctual in many times. It's uh, just like I said earlier, if you open that little hole, Hashem will open everything for you. You learn a little bit of uh, medicine, Hashem will help you pass the exam because you filled the rest of that hole with Torah. It's, the, it's, the, it's just the truth. I just saw so much of it in my life that it, it's the most true thing saying for a person who's making Teshuvah that I could ever imagine. Adam, uh, thank you very much. We've had um, a lot of Different stories come on here, and uh, Zatashim, you'll be uh, hearing about them soon when this, uh, you know, whole podcast gets released. This has definitely been a different one, a unique one, one that we don't have um, anything like it. So we really appreciate your time. We appreciate you, you know, taking the time out of your day, nice and early, um, to share your your side of the, your Jihad story with us. And uh, you know, like I tell everyone else, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to help someone out there and uh you know like the rambam says for one person to do chuba it's it's worth it's worth it all so 
we thank you very much and uh, continue going, going strong. Good job. And uh, if anyone needs any medical advice, we're going to call you. So, yes. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And when I tell my story, it's not like I'm bragging about it, but it gives myself chizuk. It, it like just reminding me of all these miracles that happened to me. It, it like gives me inspiration for the day and puts me on this high of just, I need to serve you, Hashem. Thank you for everything. I just remembered like thousands of things you just did for me. So yeah. uh, it's, it's you helped me. Thank you. Uh, like I tell everyone else, I'm just a small part of the organization. So Keep Hashem. doing what you're doing. Thank you very much, Adam. Uh, take care. Be safe. Laila Tov. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thanks. A very special thank you to all our amazing guests who show real Avati Sled by taking the time out of their busy schedules and sharing their ups and downs with us. All for the sake of Avati Sled. May Hashem continue to bless you a thousandfold. If you enjoyed this video, you can find more of these podcasts on our website at www.vizatashem.org. If you are new to, be sure to subscribe to the channel to hear more highly influencing lectures and stories like the one you heard here today. Thank you for watching and Bezat Hashem, may we all have the merit to return to Hashem.